0: The Guardian Rugby World Cup Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the very first Guardian Rugby World Cup Podcast in association with Magnus Cider. I'm Ian Payne and for the next six weeks or so, the Guardian is going to be bringing you all the latest action and opinion from the stadia in France and Scotland and Wales with kick-off looming at the Stade de France on Friday. Time, of course, for our pundits throughout the tournament to put their money where their mouth is, give us their predictions. Who's going to be clutching the Webb Ellis Trophy on October the 20th, 2007? Remembering, of course, that no country has successfully defended the World Cup. We're going to be looking at whether any of the home nations have got a chance of getting, I don't know, beyond the quarterfinals and the semi finals. Four years is a long time in rugby, remember. We'll be talking about the favourites. We'll be talking about the minnows. What chance have they got? Uh, are we worried about potential injuries when, say, Portugal play New Zealand? And we want to hear from you, and you can get in touch with us on the Guardian podcasts with your blog posts. Uh, always welcome. And to do that, you just follow the very easy-to-follow instructions by going to guardian.co.uk. All very, very simple. Now, to help us look ahead to the start of the tournament at the end of this week, I am joined by our panel today, the Observer's Chief Sports Writer, Kevin Mitchell, who's on the phone. He's on his way to Paris. As is Eddie Butler, the rugby correspondent of The Observer, and with me here in the studio in London, the Guardian's Assistant Sports Editor, Ian Pryor. Let's start, Eddie, with... Uh, your overall view of the tournament is it is it getting a big thumbs up from all the rugby correspondents or has it been quite a low-profile build-up and how there concerns about the tournament as a whole
1: well I think there are two ways of looking at it Uh, from within the sport uh, from within the camp of the rugby correspondents, it's always been our main focus of the last four years and so yeah within the sport it's it's huge from without, um, it, it is a bit of a slow burner. Uh, there are parts of France that have yet to switch on to the World Cup, but, um, but you, you might say that was the case in '98 when the, when the Football World Cup went to France. But I am sure that once it gets underway and, and everybody finds out that it's going to be a lot closer than everybody thought, i.e. that New Zealand were just going to walk away with it, I think it will, it will have a moment, momentum of its own and will be uh,
0: epic. Well, the boys are on their way to Paris to get the flavour of what it's like in France. Here in London, as I say, we've got the Guardian's assistant sports editor, Ian Pryor, a proud Irishman. How are you looking forward to the World Cup? Are you filled with the spirit of the game yet?
2: Oh, I think it's very difficult at this point. You know, um, rugby World Cups are very different to football ones. and Like as he, as he says, they, they can be very, very slow burning, partly due to the length of the tournament. It, it feels a, a little bit more like the Cricket World Cup with, um, with more, more violence, really.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: It's not too it's not too long for you, is it? And it's six not the,
2: I think that's the nature of that's the nature of rugby tournaments. You you can't ask guys to play two games in three ga- three days, and you know, particularly not of your virtually an amateur team like Portugal or Namibia, you, know, you do need a, certain amount, a decent amount of recovery time between games. There's, there's no real way around it.
0: And Kevin, as the, as the chief sports writer of The Observer, you're at the big events, no matter what sports there are. There seem to be a plethora of World Cups at the moment. Obviously, we've had the, the Cricket World Cup, which has all sorts of criticism. We've got the, the 2020 Cricket World Cup coming up. We've got uh, this Rugby World Cup. Are you imbued with the, with the spirit, or are you slightly worried about overkill?
3: No, not really. I think there are too many teams in the competition. I think uh, if if you had it down to 16, which I think is going to happen in the future anyway, uh, you wouldn't have the uh, you know the, the prospect of looking at five and a half six weeks of uh, of rugby with, with you know large gaps in between because of the nature of the game and you know the teams have got to rest between hard fixtures. Uh, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, it. I agree with Eddie. I don't think it's absolutely the foregone conclusion that a lot of people are saying and, and I'd love to see some upsets.
0: Right, well we'll get all your predictions in just a second. First of all, let's talk about the news aspect of things and Eddie, um, it wouldn't be a World Cup without Johnny Wilkinson being injured, would it? <laughs> Already we've seen um, problems for, for for England. How serious do you assess that injury to be?
1: Well, in, on the Johnny scale of injury, it doesn't sound very serious at all. It's only it's only a turned ankle, but that, that Johnny Wilkinson is injured is is no longer news, is it? So, no. uh, so he misses the first game, but uh, no, he'll he'll be all right. I mean, he's had a remarkable run of uh, of injury-free activity. Now he went on tour to South Africa, played in all the warm-up games, so he was due one. Um, and it has arrived, uh, and for England's sake, it's, it's to be hoped that it, it isn't serious.
0: It's been very interesting, isn't it, seeing the way in which England have developed, or maybe not developed, even gone backwards since the World Cup. How do you uh, look at what's happened to England and the reasons why they're not one of the tournament favourites, even though they're defending champions, Eddie?
1: Well, I think it's, 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 it's strange that you only have two countries in the world that, that try and operate a club and country system in parallel, rather than the club system existing only for the national cause. You know, the, the wishes of the club presidents of England are not necessarily the wishes of the of the national coach. And in France, it's the same, although with the World Cup, obviously, all attention has been in France on making sure the national team is, is functioning well. All of the countries where the national cause is paramount uh, have done, have made pretty good strides. England have not, stood still they've gone backwards i mean the the row over the past 4 years has been has just been an object lesson how not to run either a business or a professional sport and it's just been it has been so predictable and it has been so unnecessary that uh, the political row in england has has ruined england's chances of successfully defending their trophy do you give
0: them any chance eddie no Kevin, do you give them any chance, and do you blame the political fighting like Eddie does?
1: I do. I think it's very interesting.
3: Well, I don't give them a chance. I won't give, give them, you know, a, a chance that any uh, half-decent team would have. I think they, they 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 will do well to reach the semi-finals. But I, I think it's very interesting the last few days. Uh, some former players finally coming out of the woodwork to to say exactly what they think. Neil Back the other day in our newspaper, uh, pointing the figure at. Uh, the whole setup since then, where we just mi- missed the boat, you know, uh, a great opportunity to, to build on the success of 2003 was missed because people didn't go out and, and, and start rebuilding the team and looking for the talent. They just sort of carried on, um, and Andy Robinson, in a way, a, a sort of a, a tracksuit coach of the highest order, turned himself into a, a Clive Woodward, uh, which which just didn't work at all, really.
0: And so you don't blame the players. You actually believe that it's it's off the field problems. It's administrators that have have caused the England team to diminish.
3: I think I think that's largely true. I mean, the players have got to carry the can. I mean, they're the ones on the pitch and they, they've got to do the business. But you know, they need to be given the best chance. And I think, uh, as Eddie says, if the, if club and country are pulling in two separate directions, it makes it that much mm-hmm. more difficult.
0: Ian Pryor, from Ireland's point of view, that's not. Quite the case, is it? The national team is everything.
2: The national team is god in Ireland, and um, all the provincial si- system is is kind of set up to be subordinate to the national team. Eddie O'Sullivan pretty much gets the run of the country in terms of who plays when, in what fixtures they play, and how many games, Crucially, how many games they play a season. And you know, we've seen that over the last four years in Ireland that they're now. The, you know, this this is easily by some distance the, the finest teams Ireland Ireland's ever had. The, one, the biggest concern about them, if anything, might be that. The, they they peaked, they peaked a year maybe even eighteen months ago. I'm I, I'm not sure Ireland will be at their absolute best in this World Do
0: you, you believe they've gone off the boil a bit? Do you?
2: I believe they've been I believe they've been talked up probably beyond their capabilities somewhat. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what Eddie thought about that.
0: Well, yeah, I'll ask Eddie. What's the, what's the situation with O'Driscoll at the moment?
1: Well, apparently he he might be fit for the first game. That um, whatever a sinus is made of, it seems to have recovered pretty quickly. Um, it's probably helped like by bite, all, it, all sorts of mucusy type stuff. So. Uh, I think there's a chance he'll play, and it doesn't really matter if he misses out on the first game. Uh, Ireland, of course, have the stinker of a pool. They've got to play Argentina and France. I I think they will come out in second place, and that would give them them a quarter final against um, the All Blacks in Cardiff. And I just wonder whether Ireland might have one huge one-off game in them and uh, provide the upset that every other World Cup has had. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I agree with you. And I think Ireland actually... You know, there is a monster element to them. They will keep going until they win the damn thing or win something. And it might just be a quarterfinal against New Zealand. It would, be, it would be romance of the highest order. It's highly unlikely, but I just have a sneaking suspicion that Ireland might be the ones to, to do the earthquake thing in would, the World Cup.
0: Wouldn't you, don't you think, though, that, that Ireland would have preferred this World Cup to be, say, 18 months ago?
1: Not really. 18 months ago, they were still blowing a few things, weren't they? They still couldn't win the Six Nations. They still had, you know, still had the tag of, of a bit of a dad's army. But they're not that old. And in the, in the meantime, they discovered Dennis Leamy. I think, he's, I think he's an outstanding number eight. David Wallace has rediscovered world-class form. Um, no, I think Ireland, uh, I, I, still, I still think Ireland uh, are the outside tip.
2: I'm just, I'm just reminded though of the, the Autumn Internationals last year, where I think, didn't they beat, they beat South Africa and Dublin and was it Australia as well?
1: They did, you They know, did, they, and, yeah, you know, they can.
2: I wondered, I, I mean, they, I've never seen them hit those, those kind of heights since.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're bolstered by some pretty good form at Crow Park. They should have beaten France. They should have won the Six Nations.
2: It's high time
1: they went from being the should-have-been mm. side into the side that actually delivers. And uh, uh, my, 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 my ultimate point would be that, actually, if they did beat the All Blacks, it would leave them in no state at all to go and, <laughs> go and win the damn thing because I think it would require too much for them because they are basically a, a one-team squad. And I think if they have to pack out the first team with, with too many of the 30, then it will leave them vulnerable.
0: OK, well, we looked at England, we've looked at Ireland. Let's look at uh, your great love then, Eddie, Wales. What sort of chance do you give them?
1: Oh, I thought two months ago they might have a chance against Australia, especially in Cardiff. You know, uh, To be given a home pool game against Australia in Cardiff was, was almost too much to hope for. But they've got it, but something's not right. I, 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 I think it's very hard to put your finger on what is wrong, except that all those nasty issues that that were brewing even as they were winning the Grand Slam two years ago, they've all resurfaced and player power and coaches insisting on systems rather than personality. And, you know, the, the form on the field is pretty dire. Um, I'm afraid Wales have, have have not got much chance. No? No.
0: Should they have
2: taken Gavin Henson regardless, Eddie?
1: Yes. You know, I just think it was wrong <laughs> to... Weary yes. <laughs> yeah, they... You know... Should have given him as much time to recover as they gave stephen jones and it and it doesn't help the shifting sensibilities within the welsh camp and they are truly sensitive you know it's not right that there seems to be preferential treatment for one and not for another. i don't i probably got it all wrong and they'll be blindingly marvelous and, uh, and 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 beat australia and then go and play england in marseille in the quarter final and, and get through to the semi-final but it looks as if at the moment that England and Wales are both going to finish up as runners-up and both have the nasty draw of England playing Australia and Wales playing South Africa. And that, that could be good night to the both.
0: Kevin, what do you think then from an objective point of view with Wales' chances? Because Eddie doesn't sound too optimistic, does he?
3: No, I mean, it's good to have Stephen Jones back for them, obviously. I, I, I'm interested in how, uh, how that, that Australia game, I think that'll be uh, a, a crucial match and... Uh, I think it's uh, it's quite something that, uh, the way that Australia's got themselves back together again. A year, eighteen months ago, they they were looking pretty ordinary. They, they'd, uh, you know, they, they were searching around for forwards. They they couldn't find uh, a pack to to uh, to be proud of. Now now they seem to have got their act together. They they could be they could be quite a force in this World Cup. I'd love I'd love to see Wales do well because when they when they throw the ball around, they, they are one of the most attacking. Uh, sides in, in world rugby but I think you contrast the way they play their rugby from any part of the pitch to the way the All Blacks play. Uh, the All Blacks always get their base right you never see them doing anything uh, undisciplined um, so you get, you'll you get the excitement out of, uh, out of the Welsh team um, but the results out of the All Blacks I think
0: And what do you think, let's uh, complete the, uh, the quartet then, what do you think about Scotland's chances I mean aside from their horrendous shirt Patton, what do you make of their chances of playing good rugby, Kevin?
3: Well, I'm, I, I'm a big admirer of Frank Haddon's, I think he's done a, a really good job uh, with that side I mean, you know, they've played some, some nice rugby uh, it's, you know, you'd have to be a, a one-eyed optimist to think they're going to go very far in the competition but I, I, I've, always, I've always had it, the odd bet on Scotland in big matches and um, with a little bit of start as well because the bookmakers never expect them to do well I think they could,
1: uh, they could cause an upset or two, certainly
0: Eddie, do you think they can?
1: Well, I think uh, the game against Italy, I think it's September the 29th, isn't it, in Saint-Étienne. I think that is probably the biggest game in Scottish rugby history because if they win, they progress through to the quarterfinals. And if they lose, then, of course, you know, it's it's pretty much a horror story to heap on the general disintegration of the professional game in Scotland. And, you know, they're still... They're still Hang on the edge of deciding whether to be a proper professional nation or whether to do an Argentina and farm out their best players to to the rest of europe so it's pre- it 's a pretty critical tournament for big time rugby in scotland and and it will be something else unfortunately, they found themselves in the, in the same group as the all blacks so there is i mean what do what do Pierre Berbizier of Italy and Frank Haddon do? Do they pick their second teams and throw them against the the, the all blacks or do they just say the spirit of the tournament demands that we give it a crack, but we know that the real game for both countries is going to be Uh, Saint-Étienne. By the way, and I think that the the amount of money that is being asked for matches everywhere in this World Cup, you know, if you do put out a second team, you do risk incurring the wrath, uh, the the righteous wrath of the public.
0: How much are people going to have to pay for tickets?
1: It's well over 100 notes, isn't it, for for anything in, in Murrayfield. It's you're basically talking £100-plus for just about everything, bar the little games.
2: In Frank Haddon's shoes, though, do you care much about the righteous wrath of the public? I mean, you know, if, you, if as we say, that, that Italy game is the biggest in their history, he'd, he'd be mad to risk his... And given the thinness of the squad, he'd be mad to risk every frontline player against New Zealand and what's...
1: No, no, I recognise here it that it's a very delicate decision, but it, it will have repercussions, no question. If he, if, he, if he decides to give the game away, then it will have repercussions. And he may, he may ride out... The, the storm that follows, because mm-hmm. Scotland may be in a very good position to beat to beat Italy. But isn't, isn't I mean, it? Do you think that
3: strategically is a wise move to go into a match, no matter what it is? I mean, expecting to to get a hammering just because they're the All Blacks. I mean, I mean, there might be a bit of second guessing going on. I mean, the yeah. All Blacks might put out a. a I, was
0: I was just going to make that point. If the All Blacks put out a second team. Um, and Scotland put out the first team you never know
1: yeah no no no. I recognise that there's room for all all kinds of manoeuvre here (laughs) and uh, let's not forget that Wales put out a sort of A stroke B 15 against New Zealand in the last World Cup and very nearly beat them so there is there is the chance that anything might happen but I do think that you know in a a, 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 if if, rugby is a major sport and is saying that these are our World Cup finals then there is an obligation basically to give it give it a full lash whenever you can
0: You're listening to the Guardian Rugby World Cup podcast in association with Magna's Irish Cider. We'd love to hear from from you if you want to make any suggestions, if you've got any questions, you've got thoughts, you've got opinions. uh, You can do that by going on the Guardian online blog. Just go to guardian.co.uk. You follow all the the signals. Uh, Let me just um, pick out a couple that have already come in. This is from uh, Little Richard John, who says, "Uh, Who gives a... who wins? I want to see new styles of rugby. Georgia looked interesting last time. A sort of cross between Argentinian beef and Italian recklessness. I hope they give someone a shock. Uh, Someone who calls himself Deranged Lima says there's seven matches to get to the final of which you need to win six. No matter how good you are, you do need a bit of luck to get there. So while the ABs might be their best chance, probably they still aren't even 50%. And Rex Deus says the All Blacks have the skills, the team and the confidence. They most certainly have the captain. They have not choked ever he says uh, that's quite an interesting. Kevin, have the, have the All Blacks ever choked? In your opinion, or well, have they just depends. been beaten what by you, better call, sides?
3: What you call choking? I, I think you, I, they haven't lived up to their expectations in uh, generally in, in World Cups. That, that's obvious. You know, for the, the team acknowledged as the best in the history of the game, um, even from one squad to the next, they always put out an absolutely top quality team, and they haven't haven't lived up to those expectations. I, I don't think it's choking to be honest with you I I think you know you you've just it's sport isn't it you 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 take what comes and if another team's better on the day that's the way it goes I think they've got their timing right for this I mean uh, you know they they couldn't be in better shape really but no I I don't think they're chokers at all.
0: Um, Ian do you feel that, that New Zealand just it's theirs to lose in a way rather than someone else has got to beat them?
2: It reminds me very much of the 95 World Cup in South Africa you know where Probably the only way to stop them would be to poison the whole lot of them. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. And it's It's got that kind of feeling to it. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, I'm not sure you call it choking either, but but there does come well, South a, Africa beat them the, not South very Africa long ago. did beat them not very long ago. Um, it looked to be a singular one-off effort, though. I mean, you know, South Africa are a monstrously aggressive side... And that has now been taken as if the template, if there is one, to beat the All Blacks, and I think it's one that will be repeated every time they come well, up against a them. team.
3: and the All Blacks did play very poorly in that match as well, Ian, didn't they?
2: They did. They, they, they had a stinker, and you know yeah. every team's allowed a stinker once in a while. The All Blacks' problem is they do tend to have it in World Cup semi-finals.
0: I was uh, reading what Sean Fitzpatrick, the, gate, the, the, the great um, all-time capped uh, New Zealander, and he was saying in an article this morning. He was saying that I don't, I don't buy into this theory that uh, New Zealand always peak a year too early. Do you believe that Eddie?
1: No, I mean it's you can hardly you can hardly plan a peak. I mean they were they were in great form when they played the Lions 2 years ago in 2005 and but they've kept that form going pretty much you know since then they've they still they still won the Tri Nations. It's just that everybody else has to go flat out to close the gap on them and and by and large they do. Um but they're always vulnerable. I mean, I certainly don't believe they're chokers. You know, most of the matches they've lost at the World Cup, and it's always in a semi-final or a final, has been classics. How they've do you all ba- been, They've all been fantastic spectacles.
0: How do you beat them, Eddie? This, this lot? Uh,
1: this lot? Well, I think, there, I think there are two ways. I think you either do the old South African just get right in amongst them and bash them around a bit. You know, you get hold of Dan Carter and you and you strip, strip him limb from limb um, by, <laughs> by by fair means, obviously. Or or you invite them as Wales did into a game of free for all, and uh, and you suddenly find that they get so carried away with their counter-attacking brilliance that they they sort of lose track of of them of their more ruthless side. So, um, if any country can combine the two, and France certainly can. They might actually just beat them by being a better side on the day. But you have to say, on general form, they still remain pretty pretty far ahead of the rest.
0: Which brings us to our, our next analysis, and that is the hosts, France. I was uh, interested to see that only in France would you get this. Um, they've actually launched their own perfume range, and one is, uh, <laughs> one is apparently called uh, Sule Melee, which means in the scrum. I have no idea what it smells like, and I don't think I want to. But... Um, whether World Cup fever grips the nation or not, Ian, how good is this French side and is it peaking at the right time? That,
2: oh, That's an amazingly difficult question. I mean,
3: well, uh, they, look, they look... Sorry, after you, Ian. No, uh,
2: Don't be polite, Kevin. Back uh, when you want. <laughs> as, we, as we saw in the couple of games against England, um, France are now, I think, a, t- a side that is willing to adapt the game to the team they're playing. There's, there is no longer that set French style of old. They're a very, very pragmatic side, and it's what, it's what Laporte has been hammering into them for the last five years. But It has to be said, very varying degrees of success. Um, you've got to say, though, that particularly in Marseille, they're going to be formidable for anyone who wants to mix it up with them.
0: Mm. Are they, Kevin, in your opinion, are they the, 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 uh, the Cavaliers or are they the battering ram or a combination of both?
3: Well, I think they've gone for the muscle, haven't they? Um, I think they can obviously play on their day. They can play whatever sort of rugby you know springs to, to their minds. But you know they've got 13 forwards in the squad uh, for, for the Argentine game on on Friday. I think their intentions are pretty clear. I mean that's going to be a pretty physical contest anyway. But uh, the, the Marseille game, the second match against England recently, was um, uh, I think they looked really, really good, really impressive. They didn't do anything spectacular, but they did everything really well, uh, mistake-free, pretty much. I mean, they look like a side that are, that are on song. Then again, they are the French, aren't they? Next week, they could be absolutely dreadful.
0: What do you think about the French, Eddie?
1: Oh, I think they they've got it absolutely right. Um, I think they have been suppressing their their desire for adventure. Um, uh, and going forward, this—it's not so, it's not, it's not so much pragmatic. It's quite a natural game for them. You know, the French domestic club championship is a very brutal affair. They—they—they they, they don't all run the ball around at as all. As Brian O'Driscoll
2: found out recently.
1: Exactly. Good old buy-on. You know, there's a lot of that going on. I do like the notion that France actually are at their most brilliant when they have internal troubles and then throw, just tear the script up, <laughs> as they did in '99 to beat the All Blacks. Remember, there was a. Pierre and Jean-Claude Svela, the, the coaches, and there was a sort of open revolt, and the players just said, "We're, we're listening to nothing the coaches say. We're just going to go out and, and play." <laughs> and they and they <laughs> and they beat the All Blacks. So there is, I mean, they can just play rugby any way they want, and they seem to be happy. They seem to be settled, and yet, you know, they can also do the whole volatile thing, and you should throw Marseille into the mix. I, I think they are absolutely up there with the All Blacks, and it, if if it is to be a France-New Zealand final, then really. You, you couldn't have a much better conclusion than that.
0: OK, let's look at the other two main favourites, according to the bookmakers, that we haven't touched on, and that's Australia and uh, South Africa. Kevin Mitchell, do you believe that Australia and South Africa have got good chances of actually winning this competition or not?
3: I think they've got good chances of getting there. I'd I, I, I not I'd say South Africa's got a better chance than Australia of, 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 uh, of winning it. I, I don't think they will win it. Uh, I think the... Um, I, I just don't think. I just think when it comes to the crunch, especially away from home, I don't think they're going to produce it. I mean, they've been pretty impressive lately, and the and the bookmakers. Are, which, which
0: country are you talking about? South Africa. South Africa.
3: Yeah, yeah, the bookies are talking them up. Uh, I, I think it'll come down to, to France and New Zealand in the end. I mean, I, I think they'll poke their noses in and and they'll they'll shake teams up, but I, I just can't see either of those teams winning it.
0: Where, often, when you get World Cups, you get. Stars who appear. We had Jonah Lomu, obviously, and, and Ian in, in Habana uh, The South Africans have got a genuine star. He's probably the quickest player in world rugby, isn't He's he?
2: lightning fast. He's, he's unbelievable to watch. I, I don't know how quick he covers the field, but I, I, I wish someone would put watch watching him. Um, but you look beyond that in the South African backline, and, and really they're. The, a lot of them are the usual workaday Springbok backs who like to, you know, leather it as fa- hard as they can. And I, I'm not sure they've quite the level of crea- creativity in the back line that's required to win a World Cup these days. Even having said that, it will be probably a forward-dominated World Cup. But you still need that bit of spark outside. You still, you know, New Zealand, as we've said, are a fairly pragmatic team. But when they get the ball where they want it, they, their backs explode. And I'm just not sure South Africa have quite that capacity to trouble the very best defences.
0: Do you agree with that, Eddie?
1: Yes, I do, and I think Australia, as always i mean it's it's, it's, the, it's the sort of wearisome cliche that they always get their preparations right for the big time. I think that they always do it they just they are why, did they, why? big time performers aren 't they and i think I think they will have a player of their own who's going to electrify us. And I think that's Matt Kitto. You know, he can play scrum half, he can play centre. He can play just about anywhere in the three-quarter line. I just think he sees things that other players don't. And I think, you know, he's one of those that creates slow motion around him, especially in, in, on, on, the, on the defending side. And he, you don't really want to be smashing him around. He's not the biggest, but he's certainly the most inventive. Does... And I just think Australia will always be a threat. I think South Africa, obviously, but I think they might actually smash the, themselves to a standstill because they, for all that they hurt other people, they, they inflict a fair bit of damage on, on their own shoulders by, by playing the way they do.
0: You're listening to the Guardian Rugby World Cup podcast in association with Magna's Irish Cider. Let's talk then about um, the, the World Cup as a whole... What it's doing for rugby, how the game is progressing, and in particular with relation to the so called minnows. Now, Eddie, we've already um, had lots of articles and lots of opinion on the fact that New Zealand against Portugal is such a mismatch, it perhaps shouldn't even take place. What do you think?
1: No, there is a danger that uh, not only will, will Portugal lose by 100 points, but that somebody will get hurt, and it, it is a fact. But I, I actually spent some time with the Portuguese last week. Uh, they were playing Japan in Venice, of all places, and I, you know, I had the arduous task of having to go and see them. Mm-hmm. And, th- and I said to them, you know, don't you, do you worry? You know exactly what's coming your way. Are you are you afraid? And they said, no, we're not afraid at all. Um, w- what this World Cup has done, it's, it's provided them already with a golden moment. They played against Uruguay home and away. And qualifying for the World Cup was a triumph in itself and a great moment for Portuguese rugby, which put them on, on the serious sports pages of, uh, of a football mad country. And at this World Cup, they're going to have one of those mini-finals of their own. In their last match, they play Romania, and that is their World Cup finals moment. And they know what's coming their way against um, Italy and Scotland and New Zealand. And they say, look, we are, we are ambitious rugby players. We want to play against the best. And what, what qualifying has done, they've spent the last four months as professional rugby players. They've all given up their jobs as lawyers and, and, and vets and, and students. And they've lived the life of professional rugby players, so they will be better through the experience. Uh, they will certainly put rugby on the Portuguese map for the f- for the very first time. And the only downside is you just pray that nobody gets hurt. I don't
2: know, I just can't agree with that, Eddie. I mean, I think if you talk to any professional conditioning coach in rugby, they'll tell you that four, four months together playing, well, it's all well and good, but... To condition any proper professional rugby player these days it takes about five years in terms of the weight programs they do that 's why you don't see eighteen nineteen year olds playing professional rugby anymore i think the, I think the danger overweighs it in this case that when they scrum down against the All blacks the, the danger of serious injury is such that you know it, it just overrides worries about the development of rugby in the country
1: 're not, not, they're not they're not as if, if they they're minute in the first place Ian. You know, they've all been playing international rugby for a long time now you know and so they're against amateurs. Well, well, no, not not necessarily. You know, nobody worries for the welfare of Georgia because they're all sort of uh, wrestlers by by, <laughs> by nature, and you know they're big lumps. But Georgia, Portugal beat, beat um beat Georgia. You know, there's no there's no problem there. Mm.
0: Kevin, I just want to before I bring Kevin in, I just want to read a uh, a message that we got from Roy A1, who says rugby's different from other sports. Uh, in which it's heartening for minnows, as he says, to get their chance. Rugby is much more predictable, less prone to upsets than, say, football, exactly. Uh, also, the physical nature of the contest means that there is real danger involved. Remember Max Brito, the Ivorian, left paralysed at the 1995 World Cup. I mean, is there a danger, Kevin, that that parents and uh, that, that relatives of children watching the World Cup, maybe for the first time and looking at rugby as a world sport, suddenly see a serious injury and say, well... I don't like the way this sport's going. This is not the sport for my children to play.
3: Well, we have to put these things in perspective. Rugby has never been ballroom dancing, even in the old amateur days. But at the very top level, uh, the professionalism that Ian's referring to, the, the weight programs, I mean, it, it, it's turned them into behemoths. You know, that, that these are very, very big, powerful units that are moving around the pitch. At, at pretty good speed, and I think parents will say, you know, I don't want, I, I don't, want, I wouldn't mind my son being uh, fly half, but I'm not so sure I want him to stick his neck in the front row. Uh, and you know, the level of injuries are a cause for concern. But uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just the way it is. You you can't you can't legislate that out of the game. That's just the way it's progressed.
1: Okay,
0: and then the on the on the purely sporting side, Eddie, is the gap between the top eight, or maybe top ten, and the rest of the world. Has that closed? I know that the IRB want to spread the gospel, bring in lots of people, but there's even a suggestion that the next World Cup will only have 16 teams rather than 20, and those that have to qualify will have their own mini-World Cup to see whether they can get to the World Cup proper.
1: Yes, I mean, it, 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 it is very interesting. How do you take the game on? Because it, there's no doubt that we do need somebody to, to emerge from the from the pack beneath to challenge the tri-nations, the six-nations... And, and Argentina. Um, you know, that we need somebody to 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 just come through and and hopefully not by having been on a weight programme for, for five years.
0: People Ian blame the administrators, but the Five Nations Committee bit the bullet and turn it into the Six Nations and introduced Italy, shouldn't the Tri-Nations in the Southern Hemisphere bring in Argentina?
2: The, the exclusion of Argentina from the Tri-Nations is the, one of the greatest disgraces in international rugby. There's absolutely, absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be there. And it's, you know, f- For all the talk well, about it's money, d- developing it? game in second and even third tier nations, it, 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 they're absolutely shooting themselves in the foot. Argentin- Argentin- Argentina's r- rugby deserves to be playing at the top level year in, year out period. How will they do? I'm not sure Argentina are in pretty good shape G- given the warm up games they, they they don't look like the team that came to England er, sorry came to Twickenham and took England apart last autumn I'm not I'm, I'm not sure they're quite up there but but you know th- they'll be an incredibly physical challenge for anyone who cares to mix it with them.
0: Right I've got two more questions before we finish this first preview. Uh, all of you just have a think about one thing that you'd like to see coming out of this World Cup. Uh, while you're thinking about that um, just answer the next question which is your predictions. Let's get uh, your semi-finalists final and winners. Kevin, would you like to think of semi-finalist final and winners?
3: Oh, good, you put me on the spot there, haven't you? We could um, just do the
0: final if you want.
3: Uh, well, i just just go to the final. I think it's going to be uh, New Zealand uh, and France, and I think New Zealand will probably win it. I, w- I would love to see upsets along the way. I think the teams that could do that are Scotland here and there, Wales perhaps, as Eddie says, in Cardiff. The- that could be a shock. England, could reach the semi-finals they're good enough to reach the semi-finals i don't think they're good enough to win it and i think they will probably go out at the quarter-final stage
0: semi-finals Ian? Without
2: well, wanting to sound nasty I mean, I'd mean, i be actually disappointed if England made the semi-finals because they just don't deserve it, not, not in the way they've developed. That's in the last quite World nasty. Cup. It is quite nasty <laughs> but it's, it's very true. If they get to the semi-finals it'll be a travesty if the likes of Ireland and Wales don't, given what's happened in the last four years of rugby. <laughs> Trouble is Ireland won't because they'll get a New, Zeal- New Zealand in the quarters um, semi-finals no. you've got Isn't to say New, Z- New Zealand on one side, France on the other side I think maybe South Africa will be there. Australia I know, it's, I know that's fairly straight up and down but that's usually the way it goes. That's already. rugby, though, isn't it? Uh, Eddie?
1: Yeah, can't see... I mean, I, there's the Ireland-New Zealand thing, but, uh, you know, logically, it's got to be um, France, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand-France final, and New Zealand winning it.
0: Kevin, if there's one thing you'd like to see happen out of this World Cup, what would it be?
1: Well, the shock I'm looking for is at a particular moment, I, I want the
3: All Blacks to be uh, leading Ireland by six points in the quarterfinal uh, with a minute to go. Uh, they drop the ball on Ireland's line. Brian O'Driscoll picks it up, runs the length of the field and scores a try under the post and they uh, win the quarter final.
0: Well, I was going to say that's probably Ian's wish as well. Have you dreamt that, Ian?
2: Uh, you, you've stolen my thunder now, Matt. i um, oh,
0: sorry about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll tell you if there's one thing I'd really like to see. I'd r- like to see a really good tournament from either Samoa or Tonga. We've talked about how the IRB have done Argentina over. Well, the Pacific Islands Islanders have been done over even worse and I would just, I would just love to see either of them Upset well, they will
0: end up playing for the All Blacks, don't they?
2: No, that's the trouble,
0: Eddie.
1: I just hope. I think all the signposts seem to be directing us towards a pretty gruesome World Cup of of little adventure. That you know, everybody's gone away and they've come back and they're proud of putting on their one and a half stone of pure muscle, and they're using that muscle not as an insurance against against clouts coming their way. They are using it as as, as a weapon to to give clouts. I just hope somewhere along the way we we readjust it and sort of say you're big as a defensive measure go out and play with a bit of adventure and uh, and, and hopefully we'll we will at the end of this world cup be saying it was it was a good advert for 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 the spirit of adventure.
0: Yeah and I to that from everybody. Thank you very much to uh, all our panelists to Eddie Butler rugby correspondent of The Observer, to the Guardian's assistant sports editor, Ian Pryor, and to The Observer's chief sports writer, Kevin Mitchell. I'm Ian Payne. For my part, I just hope there is no serious injury and everybody learns to love the game even more than we already do. The next time we shall meet, we shall be able to discuss the opening games, and, of course, it all starts this Friday, the first game from uh, Paul D, when France play Argentina in Saint-Denis, and we'll have lots to talk about throughout the tournament Do join us as much as you can, and don't forget, if you want to join in with any thoughts, opinions, any questions you've got, you can do so and follow the instructions at guardian.co.uk. We'll speak to you next time.
3: The Guardian, rugby world cup podcast.